And one of the reasons I was led to these psalms was because it is important for us to remember that our worship and praise of God is not just to be something that we do at church. It's to be something that we do before we get to church. So that our worship and praise of God is something that is just the overflow of our everyday worship and praise of God throughout the week. Worship is to be a lifestyle. And that's something that we want to continue to encourage our folks with here at the Oasis. I'd just like to read these verses to you, and then I want to share a few thoughts with you tonight. I've entitled this psalm, Keeping God at the Center of Worship. Keeping God at the Center of Worship. Notice also that like Psalm 122 and then again 131 and 133, this is one of the four 15 ascent psalms that is written by David. A song of ascents by David. He writes, If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say this, If the Lord had not been on our side, when men attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger raged against us, the water would have overpowered us. The current would have overwhelmed us. The raging water would have overwhelmed us. The Lord deserves praise, for He did not hand us over as prey to their teeth. We escaped with our lives like a bird from a hunter's snare. The snare broke, and we escaped. Our deliverer is the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. We don't know the historical background of this psalm. But we know from the history of Israel that there were many times where the people of God were in trouble. Deep trouble. Maybe even possibly being wiped out. And David wants to make sure that even as they're on their way to Jerusalem, that they are keeping God at the very center of their worship. And that he's reminding them of where they are because of God, and he wants them to begin to start meditating and sort of marinating on, where would I be without God? Where would we be? First of all, let me say this. This is written by David. The name David means beloved one. We need to be reminded even of that tonight. We are beloved of God. Every one of you. From the most famous verse maybe in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. You're part of that world. You're part of humanity down through history. Jude tells us that As children of God, we are wrapped in the love of God. Isn't that a great picture? It's like every day you can wake up realizing God's given you a big hug. And he's wrapping his big arms around you. Wrapping you up in his love. John tells us in 1 John 3, 1, Beloved, it's an amazing thought, John says, that we are so loved that we are called the children of God. I mean, on and on and on, we could talk about the love of God. 
John went on to say, we love him because he first loved us. And then it isn't amazing that his love was reaching out to us and reaching into our lives, even as Paul said to the Romans, even while we were yet sinners. Even when we wanted nothing to do with God, God's love was pouring out into our lives. I want you to know tonight that God loves you. He loves you with an unbreakable, unconditional love. God has chosen to love you and He always will love you. He always has loved you. And He cannot love you any more than He ever has and He cannot love you any less than He ever has. God's love is constant. And one of the, if you will, fuels to me of our worship for God, and in a sense giving love back to God, is just reminding ourselves how loved we are. And we even see that in the name of David, beloved one. Now the psalm divides out into three sections. First is, David wants to amplify the gratitude. Secondly, he wants to magnify the danger. And third, he wants to identify the deliverer. Let's first look at David in the first couple of verses, amplifying the gratitude. He says, if the Lord had not been on our side, the Lord, again, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, the covenant name of the God of Israel, the one who is trustworthy, reliable, dependable, keeping his promises, the eternal, self-existent one. He was with Israel. In fact, that phrase in verse 1 and in verse 2, had been on our side, is the past tense of Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. It's just simply the past tense of Emmanuel. God with us. David is saying, you realize Israel, God is with us. And that makes all the difference in the world. Now, obviously, I I don't want to take the time tonight, but I want you to consider this, because I think that this is something that David wanted the worshipers as they were headed to Jerusalem to mull over in their minds and marinate on and meditate on as they were going to Jerusalem. And that is this. When he says, if the Lord had not been on our side, I think he wants the people of God and even us today to go, where would my life be without God? Where would I be without God? He he wants them to think about that. Because, let's face it, many times even those of us with God in our lives, life is hard. Can you imagine going through life without God? And yet, how many human beings do it every day? And David is reminding us of just the difference that God makes in our life. Knowing He is with us. Not only is God's love constant, God's presence is constant in your life. We need 
to be reminded of that. I mean, remember, when you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Bible teaches us that we received the Holy Spirit of God. So God is not just with us, Emmanuel. He is living inside of us through the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is a person, not a force, not some, you know, it. I've heard Christians call the Holy Spirit it. No. He's a person, just like God the Father and God the Son. In fact, let me give you this to maybe help you with that. Several times in the New Testament, the Bible refers to the Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Why does the Bible call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Because God wants us to put a face on the Holy Spirit. And guess what face we can put on the Holy Spirit to relate to Him? Jesus. In other words... Just as God the Father and God the Son are one, so is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So even as Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, guess what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Holy Spirit. And you and I then can put a face on the Holy Spirit so that he's not just some, you know, impersonal entity out there. He's a person. And he lives within us. And he is with us all the time time. And that should make all the difference in the world. Not only are we reminded that God's love is constant, but God's presence is constant with us. So he says, if the Lord had not been on our side though, and then he says, let Israel say this. Let me talk for a moment about the name Israel. You remember back in Genesis where this name came about, right? Jacob was wrestling with God. And God says to him, when they're sort of done the wrestling match, from now on you will not be called Jacob, you will be called Israel because you fought with God. The term Israel literally means, because El is God, it, it literally means one who fights or strives with God. Or, let me say it another way, it's that God allows us to fight and strive with him. I mean, think about it. God, being God, could just go, done, boom, you know. God allows mere human beings to strive and fight and struggle with him. I mean, think about that. That just, it's mind-blowing when you think about it. He could squash us like a bug if he wanted to. But he allows us to go through those struggles with him and those fights. With, and we've seen throughout the history of Israel that they have always sort of fought and struggled with their God. And just like we learned in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the prophet, even struggled and wrestled with God. And that's okay as long as we just keep clinging to God. Knowing that God will fight and strive with us too and fight for us. See, the amazing thing about this is, in a sense, what David is saying, he says, you realize, Israel, God fought for you. That's why we're still here. God fought for us. He won the battle, not us. And yet we continue to strive and fight with him. And he's only done us good. Never evil. And so David is so caught up in really the emotion of it all, of realizing, even as the king of Israel... That if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, 
Israel would have been defeated and wiped out time and time and time again. When you go through the Old Testament and you read how many times even David took an army against another foe and they were outnumbered, they were outgunned, they, they should have lost. And God brought about this miraculous supernatural victory because he promised, you're my people, I'm going to give you victory, even though, you know, all the odds are against you. So when David says, let Israel say this, it means shout it out, declare it out loud, Israel. He wanted these people as they were walking to Jerusalem to declare out loud and to shout out how good God has been to them. And they would not even exist as a nation had it not been for the presence of God with them. Sometimes we need to be so overwhelmed by the presence of God in our life and the difference God has made in our life that we just can't contain it. And we just shout it out. It's okay to do that at the Oasis, by the way. We, we won't be upset with you. And so again, he repeats in verse 2, if the Lord had not been on our side, where would we be? So you see what he's doing? He's amplifying the gratitude back to God. He's saying this. He's saying, even though we got these victories and we're still alive and we still exist, let's not forget who gave us those victories. Let's not forget why we won those battles. We didn't win those battles because of us and our great might and all of that. I mean, I love again what the psalmist says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 20. Because it was only God that gave them the victory. And when we get victories in our life, when we overcome, when we continue to survive and all of that, it's only because God is with us. Emmanuel. But it's good every once in a while, I think, like David is coming at it from the standpoint of, sit down and just think for a few minutes where our life would be without God. How lost would we be? How, if we're discouraged now or struggling now, what, what would we be without God's presence in our life? He makes all the difference in the world. And you know what else? To me, these couple of verses also gave me a renewed passion to try to reach out to people that are lost. Because you think of how hopeless they are. Again, if we as Christians have a hard time and we have God in our life, how hard is it for them when they don't have God in their life? Now, I realize many of them don't want God. I get that. That's their choice. But boy, it makes you just want to continue to pray for them and try to take every opportunity we can to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, though, here's another thing David wanted to do. He didn't want these great victories that God gave to Israel to somehow get the Israelites to begin to think, well, we weren't really in that much danger. In other words... When God gave victories, it was so amazing that David goes, we've got to be careful that because of these unbelievable, supernatural, miraculous victories that God gave to his people, that somehow we really weren't in, and I'm using my term, deep doo-doo. That's a biblical term. It's just a biblical term. And that's why in the next few verses, in fact, in the 
largest part of this psalm, David wants to magnify the danger. Only because he wants to then remind us, it's only because of God that we got out of the scrapes we were in as a nation. And he uses, and and those of you that are visual people, you'll love the four pictures that David paints here of the danger they were in. Notice, first of all, in verse 3, he uses this giant predator that can literally swallow a very small animal alive. He says they would have swallowed, literally eaten or devoured us alive. In one, they didn't even need to chew. That's how big, in a sense, David is saying here. When their anger raged against us, their fierce emotion, their fierce passion burned against Israel. Think about that. Many nations, even today, still have a fierce passion that burns against Israel. And God predicted it all the way back in Genesis 3 when he told Eve after the fall, I will put enmity between you and him. And he even said that to Satan. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Between her offspring and your offspring. We're going to talk more about that on Sunday. Just a couple nights ago, I heard of this recent situation over in Indonesia where a 25-year-old man was swallowed alive by a python. Did you see that? They discovered his body inside a giant python. I only say that because, again, visually, that's the picture that David is painting. He said, you realize that some of these enemies we went up against, to us, compared to us, was like a giant python that could have swallowed us alive, whole, not even had to chew us. And yet, the Lord was on our side. So we escaped. That's the first. The second picture, and obviously, sad to say, we are very much aware of this now because of all the devastation in Texas, But the second picture that he paints is this overwhelming flood. He says the water, the flood of of a violent, you know, nature has overpowered us, literally inundated us, drowned us, conquered us, the word could mean. The current, this torrent of rushing water, would have overwhelmed us. Literally gone over our heads, David said. The raging water, the huge waves of water, verse 5, would have overwhelmed us. Again, gone over our heads. So he's painting this picture for us that, you know, there were times where not only could we have been swallowed alive as a nation, but he said it was just like these massive tidal waves that would have come over us. But God... God saved us. God rescued us. God preserved us in spite of the great danger that we were in. The third picture David gives is being handed over to pray to their teeth. And if you study this, literally it's food for the lion to tear us apart. So that's the third picture. This lion who... You know, like predators, they'll get something in their teeth and just sort of shake it. David says, we were in that position many times. Where it was just like we were in the teeth of of our enemy, and yet God pulled us out of their mouth, literally. 
and again rescued us and saved us. Now before he does that, between the second picture and the third picture, notice what he says in verse 6. The Lord deserves praise. I love that. David is saying we must acknowledge that God is the source of all of our blessings. And the word praise here is a very interesting Hebrew word. It's not used a lot in the Old Testament when we talk about praise and worship. It means this. It means to adore on bended knee. Beautiful picture. You know, sometimes praise is with singing out and shouting out and declaring out loud. And sometimes it's humbling ourselves before God and bowing before Him and saying... Lord, you're, you're good. And that's what David says the worshiper should be doing because he deserves it. In fact, you don't have to go back there with me. Let me hopefully find this pretty quickly. My fingers don't work as good as they used to. Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget all his kind deeds or benefits. I love that. Don't forget all the kind deeds of the Lord. Don't forget His benefits. Psalm 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So that's why David says to his fellow Israelites, you realize the danger that we were in over and over again as a nation. And when you even think about this historically, let's not forget that, should we not, even up to now... Israel has always been in danger. It's part of the enemy of Satan's, again, focus. He wants to wipe out the people of God. So he attacks the church, and he also attacks Israel. They are the targets of satanic and demonic attack. And down through history, whether you want to talk about, you know, from Pharaoh in Egypt to Hitler in Germany or whatever, the Israelites have been in danger and continue to be in danger, surrounded by their enemies today. The Lord deserves praise. He is the only one that is preserving them in spite of all the danger that they are in. And the last picture David gives is this little bird that could have been very much caught in a net. See, back in David's day, in the Old Testament times, People caught birds by putting up these giant nets and then the bird just sort of would, they would fly into the nets and they would be caught. So it's a very vivid picture for the people in his day, not so much maybe for our day. But notice what he says in verse 7. We escaped with our lives like a bird. The word bird there though means little bird, tiny bird. So he's emphasizing that. Little bird, big snare, big net. And he says... The net broke or failed, and we escaped. We literally slipped away. But he says, again, it wasn't because of us. It was because the Lord was on our side. God was with us. So whether it was a giant predator that could have swallowed us alive, whether it was this, you know, unbelievably powerful torrent of water, whether it was a lion getting ready to rip us into pieces, or the net of a hunter who was trying to trap us like a little bird, he said every time that we were preserved, it was only because the Lord was with us. I am firmly convinced, before we get to the last verse tonight, that when we get to heaven, 
I think we're going to realize not only the magnitude of how God preserved and protected us from the things that we knew about, but I think we're even going to have revealed to us the things that we even didn't know. The things that God kept us from or protected us from that we didn't even realize, you see. That's how great God is. That's how awesome He is. That's why Jesus said to those in the New Testament that were following Him, don't be worried. If my Father knows when a bird falls from a tree, do you not think that we're going to take care of you? You're our children. We love you. We are certainly going to take care of you. So Jesus says, do not worry. And so, in the first couple verses, David amplified the gratitude to God. In verses 3 through 7, he magnifies the danger only to glorify God more and to remind the people of Israel who really rescued them. And then finally, in verse 8, he identifies the deliverer. Our deliverer is the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Three things I want you to see from verse 8. First of all, in the word our, that's very personal. That's not only a corporate thing like, okay, he rescued us as a nation, or we could even say at times, God rescued us as a church, and he has. But David wants every Israelite and wants every one of us to understand that God is also our personal deliverer. That he fashions his preservation and protection and deliverance and rescue of us very personally towards us. We literally have a personal deliverer that is present with us at all times. Amazing. No wonder Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then the word deliver. In the Hebrew, it literally means help or helper. David is saying, God is our help. He's our helper all the time because he's always with us. What a great help. What a great helper. You know, it's sad when we as Christians sometimes maybe feel helpless whenever we have the creator of heaven and earth who said, I'm your helper and I'm with you all the time. He's the strongest of all deliverers because, as David said, third, he's the creator of heaven and earth. He has accomplished creating the universe out of nothing. And if God is mighty enough and strong enough and great enough to do that, what can he not deliver us and help us with in our life? And that's why he wanted these pilgrims, as they were on their way to Jerusalem, to be reminded and to think through these truths. If the Lord had not been on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side. Where would we be? And even though these victories were great. Let's not forget the danger that we were in. We were up to our eyeballs. 
And it's only because God is so amazing that we got out of those things that we were in. Because those enemies, they wanted to destroy us. I mean, I even think about this and, you know, we'll talk to you a little bit more about this, but we're coming into a season that I'm very excited about. But make no mistake about it, as we enter into this new season as a church, and it's going to be, I think, an unbelievable season. I, I foresee God moving and ministering and, and manifesting himself in an unprecedented way in, in our church through our people. But make no mistake about it, too, the enemy is going to be attacking us. He will not sit back and just let this all happen. And you and I have to then realize, you know what? The more we press into God and the more we, you know, draw near to God and God will draw near to us, the more, though, we also invite the attack of the enemy, which means that we need to get up every day and put on the full armor of God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Again, let me share that verse with you that I shared last week, Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are set safely on high. And the reason why the writer says the name of the Lord is the strong tower is because the name represents every revelation and facet of God there is. So what he's basically saying is take everything God has revealed about himself in totality and realize that Everything that God has revealed about himself is a refuge for us. It's where we can run in when we're in trouble and know that God will preserve and protect and deliver and rescue us. And if we ever doubted that, all we have to do is go back to the Old Testament passages like these in the Psalms and realize, just study the history of Israel. And realize that Israel exists today only because of God. Only because of God. And we need to be reminded of that as well. Where would we be without the Lord? Well, because I titled this psalm, Keeping God at the Center of Worship, after Sunday service, I went up to Nicole and I said, Nicole, we got to sing that song on Wednesday after the message because it just goes so well. So Santiago and Nicole are going to come up and I'm going to invite you guys to stand with me and we're going to end our Bible study tonight with this song and then just a moment of prayer too tonight as well.